Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today. It is a beautiful day, and it is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.
something very, very exciting that uh, you want to continue to pray about. How many know about Ashbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky? Anybody here know about that other than Terry? I know he knows. All right. Uh, it's close to Lexington, Kentucky. They started uh, their chapel service Wednesday morning. It's still going on. It's been going on round the clock, 24 hours a day, uh, all week long. And uh, revival is breaking out. There's confession of sins. There's confession. Of, there's making restoration. There's uh, worship going on nonstop. It's just incredible. I don't know if you, I know a lot of you are praying with us about uh, about a revival, national revival. I don't know if this is it or not. Uh, I, I know we need to be careful and so on, but some other college students from other campuses have come down and they've gone back and same similar type things, I should say, are happening in those campuses. So I want our prayers right now. I want everybody here, I'm going to pray out loud. I want you to be praying and in, in your heart and, and asking the Lord uh, to let us know if this is real, if this is uh, to affirm it. If it's not, uh, then that's okay. But if it is, we want it to spread. We want it to make a difference in our country. This could, I mean, something that could shake our country. They had one in 1970. And that coincided with the religious, the, the Jesus people movement, you know, uh, and some great things happened then, uh, West Coast, all the way across country to Kentucky. So uh, let's pray right now that uh, God's spirit would be free to rule and reign in our hearts and lives. Lord, we bring before you right now the petition of our heart that God, you would save this nation. God, we're so far away from you. We're so unclean. We're so Amoral. We're so uh, lost in, in, in the way that we run things and the way that we see things in our society and, Lord, in our entertainment and in our everything is just so mixed up and messed up, Lord. We pray for the Holy Spirit to do something real. We pray that what's happening there would be real, would be something that you've orchestrated, something that's your blessing. Lord, revival's not something anybody can whip up or cook up or bring down on their own. It's something your Holy Spirit has to give. So, Lord, I pray for what's happening there that, God, you would help it to be real, help it to spread, help it to be something that would be contagious to Christians across our country. And, God, may your people get their hearts right because if we get our hearts right, then salvation and conversions and all kinds of things can happen as a result. Lord, we pray again today for our president. We pray for our governor. We pray for our mayor. Lord, we pray for someone who knows you to be in their lives and to be a, an influence to them, that, God, they might turn to you and they might look to you for what kind of laws to make, what kind of, of policies to have, how to run a country for the honor and glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, we pray for your kingdom on earth. We pray for that to come soon, Lord. We pray for the King of kings and Lord of lords to return very soon and pray that, God, we might be ready and expecting him. But until then, may your will be done, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I want to share a couple of things with you. You're going to be preaching a very unusual message today. I've never preached on this subject before in my entire life. Uh, and in every sermon, in every scripture text, there ought to be three things that happen, right, Terry? There ought, to be, there ought to be the interpretation of what the Scripture is saying. There ought to be an illustration to show you, you know, because God, Christ used a lot of parables and illustrated truths that way. And then there ought to be an application. 
And I, I'm going to give you uh, the interpretation. I'm going to hopefully give you an illustration or two. And the application I'm struggling with, but I really believe God wants me to preach this message today. So I'm going to be preaching uh, the first in a series on the life of Christ, the study of the chronological life of Jesus Christ, uh, what happened, where, when, how, and, and what took place. Uh, and, and we're going to talk today about the presentation at the temple uh, and also after that, we have a military meal out on the patio. You're all welcome. Uh, Ryan's not able to be here today. He's uh, off doing ministry. I understand that with that ministry, there's some uh, snow, what do you call that? Snow machines, the, the snowmobile. snowmobile. I hear some snowmobiling in his ministry this, today and uh, maybe some snowboarding, I don't know, or skiing. It's a rough life. Pray for him. <laughs> He's <clears throat> difficult time. And then next Sunday, the Lord willing, be praying on for, to Egypt and back. We have a visitor all the way from Egypt today. Sam, good to have you here. And just happen to be preaching on to Egypt and back next Sunday. Regal, Rancho del Rey, uh, in Chula Vista, <clears throat> will have a, um, a movie on, Jesus, on the Jesus Revolution. We have, um, I think we have 30 free tickets that's all we have, 30 free tickets, not 33, 30 free tickets. So first people to Julie gets those tickets, and Julie's walking around. Pardon? Oh, we have 10 left. They're going like hotcakes. So be sure to see Julie if you're interested. You get two free ones per family is the max that we're going to give, but uh, that'll be showing on the 22nd, which is on a Wednesday, uh, 22nd of this month. Paid child care position. Am I supposed to announce that, Julie? Okay, paid child care. If I didn't, it's already too late because I did. I mean, if I wasn't supposed to. <clears throat> paid child care, position nursery for navigators on Tuesday nights and also for Sundays. We're still interested in finding somebody. Uh, the women's retreat, we, have, we did have one more space that's opened up. So, ladies, you need to grab it. So, see Julie about that also. And for those of you that filled out commitment cards last week, thank you so much. We had a big stack of them filled out. If you haven't been contacted yet by the head of ministry uh, over what you volunteered for, <clears throat> then we're going to do it this week. We'll hopefully finish up. If you're not contacted by the end of the week, please let us know. Uh, and, <clears throat> and we don't want anything to fall through the cracks. We don't want you to feel like we don't need you. We do need you. We just want to uh, make sure we get a hold of you. If you could leave any seats on the aisles, because there are still people coming in and they're looking around. So uh, if you could kind of, uh, kind of scoot in a little bit and fill in the seats, that would be much appreciated. If you are a first-time guest here at First Baptist Church, then take one of these connection cards in front of you and take a few moments to fill that out. And then once you fill it out, you can put prayer requests, you can put questions you might have, you can make any, you can say, you can say something about how stale the donuts are, whatever you want to write on here. <clears throat> Actually, they're not, they're very fresh, so <clears throat> they don't last around here long enough to get stale, I promise you. <clears throat> but once you fill this all out at the end of the service, then to the left of the double doors as you leave, there's a box on a stand there. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings in, and you can go ahead and put that there. Brian, would you come up here? We want to share something with you very exciting, and uh, Brian's going to use this red microphone right here, and he's going to share something with... Is that super glued? What in the world? There we go. All right, this is Brian Trainer. Give us an announcement about what we're going to watch here in just a moment. All right, good morning, everyone. Thanks, Pastor Jim, for the intro. Um, my name is Brian Trainer. for those of you that haven't met me. Um, 
been following Jesus since Jesus got a hold of me while I was in the Army through the Navigator Ministry. Um, moved here six years ago to um, be a part of the disciple-making ministry that Ryan and Hope and Nate and Joy Smith helped to lead here. So um, today I have the pleasure of giving an update for one of our uh, key men that is out on deployment. How many people here have met Philemon before? Oh, yeah. I got, okay. Yeah, we got at least half the room, which is exciting. So <laughs> Philemon sent us uh, a mid-deployment update from uh, out over in Asia, where he's at currently on a ship. And uh, yeah, just had a few notes. Um, he also sent us a video that we're going to watch. Um, but really, uh, one thing that we pray for a guy like Philemon is um, 1 Corinthians um, 15, 58 says, uh, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. And so we see that. Um, we haven't heard from him in a few you know, weeks, but uh, he sent us this update that I'll read a few lines from. Um, he said, hey, guys, just catching up with you all. Hope all is well stateside. Uh, there's more Marine, Marines than Navy on our ship. They're growing and learning, uh, and they're hungry for fellowship. Just keep them and us in your prayers. Uh, we lost comms in December, but I got access to my email. So if you want his email, I'll have it. I would, he loves uh, getting updates from you all and uh, just hearing from you. So he says uh, the majority of them are from Camp Pendleton, which is good. A lot of them are local on his ship. And uh, he's been able to share the gospel with a number of them. Um, they meet at the mess deck every, every day. They're doing quiet times, memorizing scripture together. And he's been getting one-on-one -on -one time with guys. Um, one of the guys that's been with him, Glenn, who's part of our congregation, too, he's going to be leaving the ship pretty soon, so he's asked for prayers as he goes to Pensacola, and uh, yeah, so, you know, it's pretty exciting to see someone like Philemon take the gospel, not just, um, you know, here in the Navy, but all over the world, so we're going to watch a quick video of uh, some of what he's been up to, so. Me, shook me, feeling me, singing from heartache, from the pain, taking my message from the veins, speaking my lesson from the brain, seeing the beauty through the... As you know, TikTok, it's like 30-second videos. That's all we have time to watch. But uh, so Philemon just said, um, you know, he's really encouraged in that, um, you know, we see him living out the Great Commission that Jesus said to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, um, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the very end of the age. So, um, yeah, if you get a chance, if you want his email, come find me. He's still got another four months out there, three, four months. So uh, let's keep praying for him and let's keep uh, encouraging him. So. Yeah, thank you, Brian. The, our praise team is putting together a, a care package, so uh, we're going to be sending that out, and I definitely want to email if you get a chance, sorry. So, all right, let's stand together and continue to worship the Lord.
love you. We love you for your holiness. We love you for your goodness. We love you for your mercy. We love you for your grace. We love you for your power. We love you for the salvation you provide through your son. We love you, Lord, for a thousand different reasons and even more than that, more than we can possibly say. Thank you for loving us and letting us be your children. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Boys and girls, come on up to the front. Boys and girls, come on up to the front. Everyone else, take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Luke chapter 2, verse 22 for a very unusual message, one I've never preached before, even never even touched the subject before, so it's going to be interesting. Hey, boys and girls, good morning, everybody. How many know what Tuesday is? What is Tuesday? It's it's day after tomorrow, right? Yeah. You know what it is? It's the second day of the week. Oh, it's Valentine's Day. Give him a hand. It's Valentine's Day. Huh? It's a Valentine's Day. Yes, it is. How many of you know I love you guys? It's 100. Yeah, you do? You know? Do you know that I love you? 99. 99. Do you know I love you? Do you know I love you? Okay, I love you guys a lot. Do you know what else? You know who loves you more than that? Who? God. God loves you so much that he wants you to know him and to live with him forever and ever and ever and ever. So it's okay to love mom and dad. It's okay. And you should. And you ought to love your grandparents, especially love your grandparents because they're extra cool. And you ought to love your aunts and uncles, and you ought to love your neighbors. You ought to love people that you go to school with. You ought to love people across the street. But you know what? Most of all, you ought to love God. Because when Jesus was asked one day what the first and greatest commandment was, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and then you're to love other people as you love yourself. How many of you love somebody? Let me see your hands. Okay. Are any of you married? Good. Okay. All right. We have a surprise for you, but first, let's pray. All right? Let's bless our heads. Father, thank you for these boys and these girls and help them to know that they are loved by this preacher, by this church, by their teachers, by their parents, by you most of all. God, you love us with every ounce of your being, and that's a whole lot of ounces of your being. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the kids said, amen. amen. Now, Miss Pat has something very special for you, but here's what you got to do. You got to take this to your mom and dad or, or, or have them hold it for you. So go ahead and pick out one. Yeah, pick out one and take it to them, and then go to your class. So that way, if you have a gluten allergy or a sugar allergy, your parent will rescue you, and they will eat it while you're in class. Is that what parents, that's what parents do. All right. Very good. Today we're studying, uh, beginning a study in the chronological life of Christ, what happened uh, from day by, day by day in his life. We know uh, a lot of the good stories about what happened. We just don't necessarily know when they happened, where they happened, and what else happened at the same time. And so that's what I feel like God's wanting us to study for a while. And as you know, uh, the, the eternal Christ 
inhabited a human body, but he didn't begin at, at the birth of that body 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. He has always been. You may wonder why we're studying with the presentation of the temple today. Uh, that's because we've been through the Advent season already. We've been through the uh, announcement to Mary and to Joseph and uh, the, the, bir- the virgin who would conceive and bear a child and the birth of that child. We've already gone through all of that. And so uh, we come to this presentation of the temple, which I've never preached on before. So I want you to pray as I make application to it that I do so in the right way. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Luke is the only gospel writer who records the following words. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves, which is doves. Um, One translation actually says turtles. Uh, That was, uh, that threw me for a little while. I've heard a hard shell Baptists, and I thought maybe they were the ones who would offer turtles. That's a bad joke. Um, These are doves or two young pigeons. So we see the presentation of Jesus in verse 22. The presentation shows that Jesus' parents, Mary and his stepdad Joseph, performed the necessary requirements of the law. They still lived under the restrictions of the law. Presumably, Mary and Joseph were still staying in Bethlehem at the time. And what applied here was the law of the firstborn. And this issued forth because of what happened in Egypt in the Exodus, in Exodus chapter 34. Uh, The Bible tells us you must celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days the bread you must must be eaten without, must be made without yeast, as I've commanded you. Celebrate this festival annually at the appointed time in the early spring in the month of Abib. And the month of Abib on the Hebrew calendar was March or April, depending on a couple of other things that were variables. For that is the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. The firstborn of every animal belongs to me, God said, including the firstborn males from the herds of cattle and your flocks of sheep and goats. A firstborn donkey may be brought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. Now, if you are like I am, when I first read this, I had a uh, hundred questions. I was like, what are we talking? It's so alien. This is very alien to us. And the reason it is an alien to the, to the people in our culture is, first of all, because we've lost some of the principles of, uh, of a theocracy. We've lost the principles of the first fruits belonging to God. The first of everything belonged to God. The first of the harvest belonged to God. The firstborn of all the sheep belonged to God. The firstborn of all the goats and all the donkeys and all, and the firstborn son all belong to God. The first fruits belong to Him. So we've lost that principle. The idea of consecrating uh, the firstborn is foreign to us, mainly because Uncle Sam gets the first fruits of every paycheck that we have because he takes them out at work. We don't have a choice to say about that. Secondly, we live in the reality of human government and not a theocracy. 
Israel lived under a theocracy for a while until they asked for a king and got Saul. But they lived under that theocracy, and some of those principles uh, carried through. And so uh, we, it is so alien to us. In fact, if you mention a theocracy today, you'll be accused of being a Christian nationalist, and you want to push old ladies down the stairs and, and you know, and... and make fun of babies and, you know, make them cry and, and pinch them and things like that. If, uh, and I'm not talking about being a Christian nationalist. I'm talking about they were Jewish and they had the law of Moses and it had specific reasons why it was given. Now, the idea of breaking the neck of an animal as a gift of God is so foreign to us. The truth of the matter is the idea of the whole Levitical system. And, and if you're reading through the entire Bible right now, as, as I am and as my wife is, uh, you, you have to be, if you're reading it and really thinking about it, you have to be impressed at the, the blood and, and the, the sacrifice. I'm thinking of these priests in their uh, anointed, holy, consecrated garments, uh, and slaughtering animals and splashing the blood up against the altar and, uh, and, and, and taking the organs out and burning the kidneys and the fat and, uh, and so on. And then taking the, the breast and the thigh and making offerings. I mean, all this stuff. And it went on all the time. And, and that is not, I mean, some of you think beef comes in little ground packages. Somewhere they plant seeds and, and these little packages of ground beef grow up. That's not how it happens. Uh, some of you who were brought up on farms, you know exactly how it is. I remember, uh, I, remember I love visiting my grandparents in Kentucky, uh, in Horse Branch, Kentucky, the metropolis of Horse Branch, Kentucky. It is on the map. Uh, check it out. Right next to Baystown. That's on the map also, uh, but it almost folded when we moved out. But anyhow... Uh, <laughs> I remember on the farm, and I, I remember everything about the farm was mystical to me and amazing, and, uh, and I just loved it. And I remember one time wandering into the smokehouse. How many have ever been in a smokehouse? It's not where you go to smoke, all right? It, it's, uh, it's where they hang beef and, and hams and, and all kinds of stuff, and they age it and smoke it and do all kinds of weird things. And, and I'm, I'm a little probably about seven or eight years old, and I'm standing around, and I'm looking around, and I look over on this table, and looking eyeball to eyeball is a hog's head looking to me, right? I mean, I got out of that smokehouse so fast, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it scared the liver out of me. Uh, you know, but, I was, but I, I was exposed enough to a farm. I know what they did with those cows when they quit producing milk. I know what they did. I know what my four feet... 10-inch grandmother, sweet grandmother beige did to those chickens. She would wring its neck, take a butcher knife, cut it off, and then that thing would run around and always chase me, always come right for me. No head, no eyeballs, just a neck spurting coming right at me. I'm telling you what, that'll make you get right with God. You get a chicken, a headless chicken chasing you. But, but, you, but we live in a culture where, seriously, I, I don't even want to hunt anymore. I'm sorry, Duncan. I don't, I don't, I don't want to shoot anything anymore. I, I, I want to go. The, I, know, I know somebody does it, and they wind up at Vons. That's okay. Let them do it. I don't want to do it. My wife's not going to clean it. That's for sure. She is not. I, I can fish or hunt or whatever, but don't bring it home uh, expecting her to, to, to you know, 
do a science experiment with it, uh, uh, dissect it and dissect it and all that kind of stuff. So, so that's why none of this, this doesn't make sense to us. The firstborn son, like the first fruits of a harvest and other income, belong to God, and they must be redeemed. So an offering was to be made. When someone had a firstborn son 2,000 years ago, and for many hundreds of years of Israel's um, history before that and on in past that, in seeking first the kingdom of God, they had to offer the firstborn to God. One has to recognize, and this is a point, an application here. One has to recognize the necessity for obeying the king even when we don't understand. I, I, I was, my kids, some, some of the times, didn't understand why we had certain rules and certain standards they didn't understand it, but I didn't, they didn't have to. They had to obey it. I would explain it to them and try to explain it to them if it was appropriate to do so if they were old enough to understand. But still, even if they don't understand, they had to obey what mom and dad said. And that's the way it is with God. It should be. We should obey him whether we understand his command or not. And covenants and commandments of God are serious matters. Exodus chapter 4, verse 24 here. You remember Moses? You remember the burning bush? You remember God calling to him? God saying, go you know, deliver my people, lead my people out of slavery. And he says, oh, Lord, you, know, you send somebody else, not me. I don't. And, and he protests and protests and, protests and finally God says, you, you're the one. I, I'm going to send you. You're going to go. And so he finally surrenders to God's will. And on the way to Egypt at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. You ever remember reading that? Why would God do that? Well, I was reading in some commentaries. Here's some of the reasons they give. God sometimes teaches us that he is angry with us by visiting us with afflictions. Not always. Not everybody who's afflicted is because they've done something to, to incur the wrath of God. Please understand that. It's like if you get COVID, God's judging you. If I get COVID, he's testing me. That's not the way it is. I just, I, there wasn't enough laughter right there. So, that, no, God, just because we have problems doesn't mean that God is angry at us all the time. But sometimes he visits us with affliction and leaves us to find out the cause. Jonah is a good example of that, right? Secondly, our conscience reminding us of neglected duties or other sins committed by us is a ready interpreter of many of God's afflictive providences. Zipporah, Moses' wife, guessed at once the cause of this trouble, and the result showed her guess was correct. You know what the offense was? Here he is going to deliver God's people, and he had not circumcised his own family, his own son. And so the results showed of Zipporah circumcising her son and, and staying the judgment of Almighty God. So the covenant of God was not a light thing. It was not something to be taken other than seriously. Thirdly, the holiest of God's servants are not exempt from severe chastisements. In fact, it could be, it could be that in the case of God's servants who are high profile or whatever, may be subject to even more severe chastisements because of, the, because of the, the weight that's upon their testimony. Number four, true repentance 
includes reparation for wrong and, where possible, performance of the neglected duties. And Zipporah did exactly that. She rectified a wrong. She made right what, she, what Moses had failed to make right. Number five, God is a zealous God for the observance of his own ordinances. It might be pleaded. Some might say, well, it's only, that's only a, a ceremony, an outward rite. What great importance can be in, attached to it? But God had commanded it and made it the badge of his covenant. Circumcision was a badge of his covenant. Therefore, neglect of it was an open act of defiance and disobedience. And it, it, it applied a low esteem of the covenant privilege. So the sacraments may be unduly and foolishly exalted, but there's the opposite sin of disesteeming and neglecting them. So an application here would be, likewise the ordinances that Christ left us of baptism and the Lord's Supper are not insignificant matters. We don't have to do them to be saved. Thank God for that. The thief on the cross didn't get baptized. Thief on the cross never partook of the Lord's Supper. Thief on the cross never joined a church. Thief on the cross never witnessed anybody. Thief on the cross never gave a dime to the church. But he was in paradise with Jesus Christ that same day. The ordinances of baptism and Lord's Supper are not insignificant matters. God ordered them, and that makes them significant. So Jesus' parents highly regarded the laws of God, and because of that, there were two separate ceremonies that had to take place. First of all, there was the dedication of the firstborn. This is point two on your outline. The dedication of the firstborn. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. Now, some commentators say that the dedication of the child, the firstborn, didn't have to be at the temple. In fact, most of the time, perhaps, was not at the temple. But in Jesus' case, it was at the temple, perhaps kind of foretelling, kind of foretelling the fact that he would, be, uh, he would serve in a life of ministry as the Messiah. Perhaps his dedication was similar to what Hannah went through. You remember when Hannah begged God for a child and she was barren and she prayed and prayed and prayed and, and, and in fact Eli thought she was drunk because she was in such agony of, and such distress and he rebuked her and she said, oh no, I'm not drunk. I, I, I'm in great sorrow because uh, th this weight that's on, upon me, I, I, I want a, a child. And so Eli said, you'll have a child about a year from now. And so she did, and, and, she, uh, had that, and she brought her. She, she didn't go back to the temple until the child was weaned, and then she took him and presented him to the Lord, and he stayed at the temple from that point on. Folks, here's an application. All that we have belongs to the Lord. Someone might say, how, how much money do you have in your wallet right now? And you might say, oh, I've got, you know what? That's not your money. Now, those are your credit cards, but that's not your money. <laughs> it belongs to God. Your, your house belongs to God, even if you own it. Your car belongs to God. Your kids belong to God. Your life, your breath belongs to God. You never see, someone say you never see a Brinks armored car following a hearse to the cemetery. We leave it all behind. 
we came into this world, what do they say in Kentucky, butt naked. Can I say that here? Is that okay? <laughs> and we leave the same way. Wise is the woman or the man who dedicates all that you have to the Lord. We are to give up what we cannot keep to gain what we cannot lose. Second ceremony, not only the dedication of the firstborn, but it was the purification of Mary. And this command is found only in the book of Leviticus chapter 12. In verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. On the eighth day, the boy must be circumcised. After waiting 33 days, she shall be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. During this time of purification, she must not touch anything that is set apart as holy, and she must not enter the sanctuary until the time of her purification is over. If a woman gives birth to a daughter, the ceremonial, she'll be ceremonial unclean for two weeks, and after waiting 66 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. So we see two different, uh, two different time periods here for whatever reason, known only to God. First of all, the birth of a son. And again, this seems very strange to us. What is this uncleanness? What, what is this purification? What, what, what is this all about? The mother was ceremonially unclean for seven days, and some say for seven days, not for 14, as with a girl, because if she were ceremonially unclean for, uh, for 14 days, she wouldn't be able to go to the circumcision at the temple uh, when her son was eight days old. And then she had to remain at home for 33 more days. And during this time, she was not to touch a holy object that anything had been dedicated to God to avoid and avoid entering the tabernacle. Then after that, she would offer a sacrifice on the 40th day at the Nicanor Gate on the east of the court of women. And I'm reading this and my brain's hurting. And I'm going, what is this all? And, and then the birth of a daughter, uh, double the time for the male child. Lots of theories about this, but most of them are not appropriate for me to discuss. I don't feel, I don't feel good about discussing them in mixed company. But one theory is, is that she was a, un, if she were unclean for 14 days, she wouldn't be able to be at the ceremony. And medical science says that the blood clotting ability uh, of a baby uh, is, is achieved at eight days uh, of age. So that's why that was, uh, that's when a baby boy was to be circumcised. The next thing that I see in this passage is the socioeconomic status of the couple. In Leviticus 12, 6, when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or a daughter, she shall bring a lamb. Notice this, a lamb, a lamb, I mean, that's part of your flock. I don't know how many lambs people had, but a lamb was a significant offering. She had to bring a lamb for the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or dove for the sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the, of the congregation unto the priest who shall offer it before the Lord. And again, he would slay it. He would take the blood, throw it against the altar on, on all sides. He would take the uh, certain organs out and burn those as an offering to God. He would roast the others and people were to eat it. And people, were, I mean, it's, it's all these details, all these incredible very important, known to God details. 
and he'll offer it before the Lord, make an atonement for her. That's a covering for her. And she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. And this is the law for her that is born a male or female. And if she not be able to bring a lamb, listen, I love this part. If she's not able to afford a lamb is what they're saying. If the couple is poor enough, they can't really afford to part with a lamb. And if she not be able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two doves or two young pigeons the one for the burnt offering, the other for the sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. So God made provision here. Uh, by the way, this is not to imply that childbirth was sinful. It's not. If it were, then the order of the sacrifices would be different, because here the offering was burnt offering, then the sin offering followed. If it were because if it would cover sin, the sin offering would have been offered first, and then the burnt offering. That's in the book of Leviticus. Check it out sometime. Uh, but she is pronounced clean, not forgiven, clean. Chapter obviously makes room for people who don't have very much materially. I love that. Because you know the gospel is free, don't you? It's free to us. It was costly to the Lord. It cost God his son. It cost Jesus his life. But to us, it's free. Free. So God made it so that anybody could come. So Mary offered two birds to declare her days of purification were complete. She carried out the prescription of the law. <clears throat> she rendered the offering of the poor. So this indicates that the Savior of the world who created all that you know about and all that's out there and all beyond what you can see with the strongest of telescopes, that means the creation of all the animal life, all of the fish in the sea, all the birds of the air, <clears throat> the creation of all the human beings, all of that, the God who created all of that not only humbled himself to be robed in flesh and born as a little child, a little helpless baby, but he also was born in a poor household not in a palace, not in a mansion. I don't know how I got on Facebook. I got on some kind of a little deal where they send all these mansions. You know, out here in Elkhorn, there was some 50,000 square feet of living space. And I think, I think it was like, I think it was 15 car garage. <laughs> Forget about the living space. 15 car garage, that sounds good. But he didn't come to any of that. When the wise men brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that, that may have been the most they ever had at that time. They were very poor. But they weren't left out because they were poor, and we aren't left out because we're poor. It'd be interesting to find out how many in this room came from very poor, humble beginnings. God has blessed us. God has blessed us. It's not we ourselves. Well, I made, I made my, I'm a self-made man. Well, you're pretty pathetic if you're a self-man made. I mean, I'll tell you right now. God gives us the ability to get up in the morning, go to work. God gives us the job that we have. God gives us the opportunity to live in a free country. God just, God is, it's everything. God is everything. You can't take a breath of air without God allowing you to do it. That's how powerful he is. That's how, that's how 
overreaching he is. He's absolutely in control of every single thing. To think about the God like that that we serve, that our every breath, that every little blood cell flowing through our veins right now is there, and he's aware of that. He knows the number of hairs on your head, which is not that big a deal for me anymore. <clears throat> Some of you got it worse than I do, so... Some of you really make it easy on the Lord, you know, with the hairs on your head. He's the Savior of the world. He created everything. He humbled himself, born in meager circumstances. Last two points here, the prophecy of Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. This is the only place we find his name mentioned in the entire New Testament. And he, was, he lived in New Testament days, so wouldn't be in the old either. He was righteous and devout, and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. Ooh, wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't that be great? You're not going to die till you've seen the Messiah, the Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. On what day? When Joseph and Mary happened to be there, another coincidence that I call God incidents. So Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required. Simeon was there and he took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation. That's what Jesus means, Jehovah's salvation. Which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and He is the glory of your people, Israel. And Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about Him. And then Simeon blessed them, and He said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a gift, as a sign from God, but many will oppose Him. And as a result, and this is sorrowful, this is sad, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. She responds in an amazing way when the angel told her she was going to be having a child and that child would be the son of Almighty God. She responded in an amazing way. She magnified the Lord. I wonder what she thought at this prophecy. A sword will pierce your very soul. This man was just, he was devout, he was waiting for Christ. God, help us to be just. God, help us to be devout. God, help us to be waiting for the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he had the Holy Spirit upon him. Wait a minute, we can do him one better than that. We can have the Holy Spirit within us. Simeon had the Holy Spirit upon him. With this new age, this new covenant, this new relationship, salvation by grace through faith, the law uh, not, being, uh, not being broken, the law being fulfilled in Christ, Christ having fulfilled every sacrificial law, uh, sacrifice, every, every sin offering, every purification offering, every dedication offering, every firstborn offering, he fulfilled it all. He did all of that on the cross of Calvary. His blood was shed on that altar, but the altar was in the shape of a cross and we have atonement because of that. We have our sins covered and they'll never be revealed again. The Holy Spirit upon him but the Holy Spirit can be within us. 
He declares Jesus to be God's salvation, and he prophesies sorrow for Mary. Then there was the prophet, prophecy of Anna. Anna, a prophet, was also in the temple, and she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when she'd been married only seven years, and she lived as a widow to the age of 84. Seventy-some years, she was a widow. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God and fasting and praying. She came along as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God, and she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee, where the child grew up healthy and strong, and he was filled with wisdom. And God's favor was upon him. Hey, widow ladies, you feel like there's no reason for you to still be here? How about widowers? You feel like there's no reason for you to still be here? Here was Anna, who had spent over 70-some years praying and fasting, giving glory to Almighty God. With every breath we have, we need to give praise and glory to his name. So I don't know if I've muddied the waters. I don't know if I've caused, if I've caused more questions than answers today. I don't know. But our covenant relationship with God is very important, and so are the ordinances. And thankfully, several filled out on their cards that they want to be baptized, they want to join the church, they, they want to serve, they want to be in positions of service. If you didn't get a chance last week to fill out your card, just take one of those connection cards. Or if the, are, are, the de, are the cards still in the seat backs from the dedication, Julie? Okay, so she's got some in the back. Or, or you can use a connection card if, if there's something you'd like to do. But baptism, immersion after salvation, the Lord's Supper is sacred. I, I want, I, this has been... 50 years ago, I read about some church that had decided they were going to make the Lord's Supper more relevant, so they used Coke and potato chips. You say, well, it, they would say probably, well, it's no big deal. It's just symbolic. But you know what? That's what they could have said about circumcision, too. It's just no big deal. It's just symbolic. But God almost killed Moses over it. I'm not saying God's going to kill anybody over eating Coke and potato chips for the Lord's Supper, but I'm just going to say that's not what God said to do. God said unleavened bread, not just bread, unleavened bread. That's what they had to take with them out of Egypt, unleavened bread. That's what they had to celebrate the, the feast of unleavened bread for seven days, unleavened bread without yeast, because you know what? That's a, sin, a sign of sin. As the yeast spreads throughout the dough, so sin spreads throughout our bodies and throughout our society. Aren't you thankful you didn't have to bring a goat to church today? I'm thankful I don't have to slay those critters. 
reach in there and get their kidneys and a bunch of fat and pull it out and put it on a fire. I'm glad we don't have to do all that. I'm glad that Jesus did all of that. He completed everything. Not only the, the, the lambs and the goats and the bulls and, and the donkeys and, and redeeming, and not, not only all of that, but he, he, they even they had doves and they had pigeons and they had even meal offerings, just grain they would offer. Aren't you glad that Jesus took care of every bit of that so that all we have to do is come to the cross and receive him as our Lord and our Savior and our Master. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I conclude with this. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be living and holy, sacrifice the kind we will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Our Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for loving us. God, I pray what's going on in Asbury spreads, if it's real. I pray that, God, it would go to other schools, to other churches, to other states. I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would be active in your people from coast to coast, north and south. God, I pray right now you'd touch the hearts of people who need to receive you. Maybe someone who needs to be born again would be saved today in this service. Maybe someone needs to repent of some sin that's in their life, robbing them of the joy and the peace that you offer them. Maybe someone needs to make restitution, something they've done wrong, they need to make it right. Maybe someone needs to come for rededication or just dedication. They've never really dedicated themselves to you. Maybe we need to come with due respect for your ordinances, for your requirements upon us for what you've said just because you're God. Whether we understand it or not, whether we agree with it or not, we need to do it because it's right. So Lord, help us to be willing today to do whatever it is you want us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? The invitation not going to sing a long time. If God wants you to make a decision for him right now, I'm going to be down here. I'll meet you. My wife will be down here. She'll talk to the ladies. Rachel's back in the back. Whatever it is we can do. Bo's over here. Guys, if, if you need someone, this invitation is open for you. Come ahead right now as we sing.
got another one of those days when the Lord gives and Uncle Sam takes away. We have a family, and I would like Tiffany and Chaz to come down here, please. Embarrass you one last time. If I embarrass them now, they don't come back. They're not coming back anyway, so <laughs> what I have to lose there. This is Tiffany and Chase Russell. They've been very involved and faithful in attending church here. Love you guys. Love your family. And uh, going to be going where? Uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Florida. Okay, Jacksonville, Florida. Great beach. <laughs> Great beach. It is Florida. That's good. It's, free, it's a free state. Yeah. No, no, no. So we're going to pray for them, and I want you, some people, come around them here, especially military families, anybody actually who wants to, we're going to pray for them that God would lead them and direct them. Here comes the kiddo. I love these redheaded kids. Where'd they get their red hair? Yeah. My mom. Oh, your mom. Okay. All right. Come on down. Let's pray for them together. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful and thankful for the great people that you send to us. Lord, we're in a corner of the country where people don't come here unless they come on purpose. They're not going through here to get somewhere else usually. And so many that come are because of the military. And Lord, we're so blessed to find people from all over, all walks of life, even many different countries who for a while are here at First Baptist Church, like Philemon, like this couple, Lord. And I pray as they go to Jacksonville that you'd give them traveling mercies. I pray that you'd bless their children, bless them. And God, I pray they'd find a church that loves you and serves you, lifts you up. Lord, I pray that you would be with them in this career. Thank you for those who serve this country, putting their lives on the line for us. So, Father, we pray that you'd go with them and bless them. And we ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great Lord's Day. God bless you. Thanks for being here.
Cindy. Cindy. 